<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Work Party, the mini-sode. In these mini-sodes, we'll be sitting down with some of the many brilliant women who have work partied their way to the top. We'll be asking for their best entrepreneurial advice for women like you who are creating and cultivating the career of their dreams. Whether you're running the show or balancing your side hustles, we are giving you the real talk business advice you need. Season one of Work Party, the podcast is brought to you by LinkedIn. Before we introduce you to our special guest, allow us to introduce you to LinkedIn, the world's largest professional network and our partner for season one of Work Party, the podcast. LinkedIn is a community of over 500 million professionals that are ready to help, support, inspire, and push you to achieve your goals. Whatever your definition of success is, there are people on LinkedIn that can help you get there. Today's Work Party Minisode is coming live from the Create and Cultivate Chicago conference. Our team sat down with Jenny Britton Bauer, founder and chief creative officer of Jenny's Ice Cream. The sweet business that started in the backseat of her car has now expanded to over 33 stores across the U.S. Hello, Work Party listeners. I'm Heather Records, the marketing director at Create and Cultivate, East Coaster, and resident cat lady. Hi. Hi. <laughs> was, that, was that my cue? Hello. Hello. I Welcome. Was, yeah. Thanks for coming to Chicago to hang out with us. Oh, absolutely. Chicago is just one of my favorite cities in America. You know, yeah, America's just like full of favorite cities right now, I will say though. Where are you from? I'm from Ohio. I knew you started the business in Ohio. Based. We have an Ohio gal on the, so we've been pushing for, she's been pushing for Cleveland. I've been pushing for Philadelphia so that we can get to our hometowns. Oh, yeah. Well, no, you got to do Columbus. I could not have started my business anywhere else. I mean, without question. Without question. That's amazing. I mean, you know, ice cream in Ohio, so it's perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you knew you were passionate about ice cream before you even graduated from high school. In a Forbes interview, very casual, um, earlier this year, you shared the moment that you realized you wanted to start your ice cream business, and you just walked out. You left all your art supplies at school, and you rode your bike home to go make ice cream. The definition of start by starting. Did you have any doubts or hesitations, and how did you move past them? Okay, so that was in college. Um, I was two years into college studying art, and um, well, the true story is that I was in a, in a figure drawing class, and they were like three hours long, and a model walked in that I couldn't draw, and I loved like the I loved like the uh, round models, put it that way, because I like to draw big, and I like and like you can get your whole body into it, and um, 
and this woman is just really, really tall and slender. And I was, it was like angles that I was like going to have to work out. And I would just, it was like hor- horrible for me to be there drawing this woman. And I had done it a couple of times and I was, I, I wasn't into it. And I wasn't into it because I had been making ice cream too for a few months. And so I was just like, this isn't what I want to do. I don't know what I'm going to do with this, even if I c- continue on this path. And so at that moment, I knew that, um, that I needed to go home right then and make ice cream, which I did and left all my art supplies there. And it wasn't just my supplies, but you know, when you're in college studying art, those were expensive. And I also Super expensive. didn't have any money and I was making, I was on my own and um, they're really expensive. So I knew I wasn't coming back. And also I left my entire portfolio there, which was by far the best art that I had ever done. And probably to this day, you know what I mean? It was, um, yeah. it was amazing so stuff. So you never you know, got for it back. Me. And I never Someone's got it back. Someone's just selling it in Columbus, Ohio. Like. Yeah. She's it now. I'm gonna sell this I, on the yeah. street. My little back, sister but... went to art school, so I know that she would always hit me mm-hmm. up and be like, "Um, I need to buy this um it's so oil, expensive. and I need three hundred dollars." I'm like, "How? Mm-hmm. You're in school. Are they not giving it to you?" No, they do not. It's <laughs> no, expensive. they don't. So, what kind of ice cream did you go home and make? Oh my gosh, I know. I don't know. I don't remember. But at the time, I was still using an egg base. Base. I was using my. Um, I was working. Through, um, I started with my creme brulee base, and um, then started tweaking from there, and eventually took eggs out altogether. But um, yeah, I don't remember what the flavor was. Say la vie. Mm-hmm. You've said that your business was. If your business was a flavor, it would be dark chocolate, complex and game changing, hard to replicate. Tell us a little bit about how you went into developing a brand that is complex like that. Um, well, first of all, it was over many, many, many years, one person at a time, one dollar at a time, you know, turned back into my company. So for eight years, I was boots on the ground behind the counter and, you know, standing in front of an ice cream machine that I was making ice cream in a market, working with ingredients from the market, the farmers and the um, all the merchants in the market, chocolate and spices and everything in the market. Um, and then serving it over the counter. And so I was listening to what people were saying back to me. And I just feel like you, that's where you get your Jedi moves, right? That's how you become a Jedi is by actually being there. I think it's a part that people, especially young people right now, want to skip. Well, even back when I was starting, I mean, it was like, you know, the the allure was at the top, not at the bottom, not doing the work, you know? And yeah. that's the, um, you know, the the eight years that I spent in two different businesses. I had one business and I closed it and then I opened Jenny's in 2002 and then, four, you know, four more, six more years just back on the ground making ice cream every day and serving it over the counter. And that became now the fastest growing, the biggest, the only growing part of the entire ice cream, like, world, right? Yeah. The whole ice cream world, all of it. Um, and it's like now everybody's doing that. Yeah. But back then it was me just making all these flavors, working out all these details that now everybody's copying. You know what I mean? Did you find that you got most feedback from your customers in person or did you use social to kind of... There was no social media. Okay. okay. So it was absolutely in person and that was amazing. It was amazing because um, I got to know my customers and uh, and also there were like where I was located in the in downtown Columbus is very old market the oldest one in the in the Midwest, um, but right across the street is a convention center. So you get like volleyball tournaments, and like the parents would come in, and so sometimes it was just people you didn't know at all, but you would just listen to how they were speaking to their kids or or whatever. Um, but the feedback was invaluable, and so we'd have regular customers that would come by on Saturday. You know, the head of the architecture department at Ohio State University, or somebody who who I th- who was like from France or something, and they would give me ideas and tell me the history of something. Where, it's where they were from or whatever, and then they would help me sort of get it right, 
you know, and so the next week they would come back and I would have made, you know, cassis or whatever it was that we were, we had had a discussion about. I mean, it was a wonderful place to learn. That's great. I mean, it's proved you really well. Yeah. And everything that we do as a brand goes back to that. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it, it's, it's sort of, I mean, literally every single day goes back to that. Every flavor we make, everything goes back to that time. And, and now we have social media so we can put a flavor out quickly. Yeah. Listen to what people say, tweak it and put it back out or just scrap it and take it off the menu. Amazing. Know? I was going to ask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you guys use a lot of social media feedback now? Yep. And so it's all about community. It's all that same community that we just scale up. I mean, it's no different. Right. When, um, Twitter first came out, we just saw that as, well, first of all, I used to keep a notebook for people who wanted flavors that I wasn't producing that day or that weekend. And when Twitter came out, it was like I could reverse it. I could just put up whatever I had that day, which was so great. Um, and people would, would follow that. And so I just saw it as service from the very beginning. Um, it's connecting to people and sort of building community that way or whatever. Yeah. So you've mentioned a past Korean cultivate, actually, that if you want to start a business, you should never get your business degree. Can you expand on that? I wouldn't say never, but I mean, I think that if, I mean, um, you can spend that money on starting a business. And I also feel like um, um, passionate founders are passionate about what they do, and they get really, really, really good at that. And I, there was no school for me to learn how to make ice cream. Yeah. I mean, there is school you can go to to of learn how to make ice cream. But by doing it the way that I did it, which is just learning as I went, yeah. I, I was asking questions, finding answers by doing it and researching um, until there were until basically the, I was the only one left to answer those questions, right? Yeah. So that's why we really changed the world of ice cream. We took stabilizers out of ice cream, emulsifiers out of ice cream. We started to use milk proteins to to build body and texture and heat and all of these different ways of doing that. Almost more like a cheese maker makes cheese. None of that was taught in any school. So you have to just kind of jump in and do it and learn as you go. Ask these que- just keep asking questions, and that's how you sort of I guess disrupt you know, long held knowledge about whatever it is you're doing, but that's what the founder's job is to do. And you can't do that if you're studying, you know, spreadsheets and whatever. Right. Not that that stuff isn't really, really important because it is, or if you're not, you know, somebody on your team has to know management skills and, and organizational management and how to, how to structure that and law, you know, all the legal stuff because it's all legal and all, you have to have people on your team who get that stuff. But if you want to be an entrepreneur, go learn about, well, first of all, do anything else, right? Go become an interesting person. Yeah. Go study art or history or whatever. Have a good conversation with somebody because that's where the money's going to come from. Yeah. Is if they like you. I love Half that. Half the time, it's true. Just go do anything else. Yeah. I mean, unless you want to work for a business. Yeah. No. And I mean, that's fine too if you want to work for a business and you have an entrepreneurial I mean, spirit. Spe- those people entrepreneurial are the heroes of spirit. my business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. There's a difference between entrepreneurs and business-minded people. How can one build and grow a creative idea if they're not necessarily interested in the business side of things? When I think of business, I think of law and I think of um, organizational management, which you only need once you start to get an organization. Um, I think of safety, um, both in terms of, um, you know, on the ground safety when you're manufacturing something and then, you know, food safety and things like that, but also in building safe careers for people. Can somebody spend their career with you? Is this a good jumping off point for somebody's career or is it a good, where, where are they going to be in their career when they join your company? And then where are they going after that? I mean, those are important things to think about as you build a culture and a team. And that's to me like stuff that you do, you know, with business minds and entrepreneurship is more about building community thinking about who you're serving, being in service. Entrepreneurship is almost never about the money. I yeah. mean, 
you respect money in the way that you respect talent and time and all of the other great things, love and all the other great things that you have um, to use. And right. money is your probably cheapest resource. Whereas business is really all about protecting the money, finding the money, protecting the money. and Right. You know. And I think that's why so many entrepreneurs pay their team before they actually take a paycheck. Mm -hmm. And I think people forget about that a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Don't, I mean, I made minimum wage most of my life. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I didn't have, it wasn't like, you know, and I had like, um, I don't know, a rich husband or something like that. That wasn't right. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you're, you, I, you do I it, asked someone you know? earlier, I was like, what did it's you do a, with your first paycheck? They're like, I'm still waiting <laughs> for my first yeah. paycheck. And she was a CEO and founder. I mean, yeah. it happens. Yeah. Minimum wage for 40 hours a week when you work actually 80 hours a week. You know exactly. What I mean? For sure. But that's where you have to have passion and it has to be driven by love because there isn't, there is no money that's worth that. Right. Or lack of, I mean, you have to be, you have to be so in love with what you do that you'll do that. So we just talked a little bit about how you think, you know, on the ground, real experience is so important for creating the foundation of a business and, and really creating the foundation of a brand. In your case, you were serving people from a tiny space, you rented and getting genuine feedback from all angles. Um, however, today, Jenny Splendid Ice Cream employs over 800 people, correct? Or 1,200. Mm -hmm. Oh, snap. Fact checker. Mm -hmm. um, so what advice would you give to business owners that are having trouble getting out of the weeds and into a, the position of being a visionary. Um, so when I was when I when I had my first company, it was just me, and I burned out. I mean, it was four years, eighty hours a week. It was like I did everything, and and I burned out. I mean, that's a hard wall to hit because you can't. When you hit the burnout wall, you can't walk back in. Yeah. Like it just becomes this. It's a very heavy, horrible thing. Um, so at Jenny's, when I started Jenny's, I knew that I had some, I had, a, I had this vision. I had a vision that it wasn't just going to be me anymore, that I was going to bring in other people to help because you can't do it all. I mean, you can't do it all. And, and, and anyway, when you try to do that, you can't grow, you can't do anything else. And so that became my goal. I mean, I had a lot of long-term visions and short-term visions and my, and my relatively short-term vision within like, let's say the first, I don't know, um, five or, or seven years, I was going to begin hiring top talent, top people. So, um, you know, in the beginning it was high school kids and then it was, you know, my brother-in-law moved up from Nashville, which was awesome and he was great and joined the company. But by 2009, we hired a CEO who, you know, I mean, it was one of our lucky stories, um, was one of my buddies, you know, drinking buddies actually, but he was um, at GE and he was doing great things at GE and just like had learned all of that. And um, I was lucky enough to, to know that um, I was going to get a CEO when I asked him um, about who we should bring on. He was like, hang on, and he drove up to Columbus um, and ended up taking the job. And he was but like, it's me. The, the, <laughs> yeah, he was like, I, 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 it was, it's a lot, that's a whole other story, but it was like, a, it was an amazing story too, because he was, I knew he was the right guy. I was like, I want somebody just like you, John, because John is a, is a business mind, but a community spirited human being. And that's um, amazing. And, and, and I just knew that we needed somebody like that. And he also understood the vision when we were just so small yeah. um, in the company. But the point really is that, you will be in the weeds, and even now I'm in the weeds, because even though John, I trust him with everything in my life, um, takes care of all that stuff, it just means that I can do more, and I'm just underwater all the time. Being an entrepreneur is like, is getting used to that feeling, and um, actually being kind of proud of it. Yeah. And um, and there isn't another answer. Like, if you want that sort of, um, you know, life, it's no. not for you. 
that fully resonates the, with um, me. I feel like, and yeah. I mean, obviously I'm not a CEO or founder of Create and Cultivate, but just working at on our team, like I feel that momentum. Like we have more and more work and I feel like the team just thrive. Like the more work we yep. have, the more you th- we thrive on it. And we're like, Well, and like great. just looking at um, some of the other, I don't know, I mean, copycat sort of, but like other... Um, organizations that have started doing similar things and you can just sort of see where like which one has that sort of massive amount of drive and passion behind it and and, because it fizzles out you just if you don't have that you won't succeed you know what I mean and so it's very you know every detail is taken care of here you can see that and you can see all these details how they come together and that's because of that sort of I don't know endless passion for it you know you never off work kind of thing and I don't know yeah, Some people no, think totally. of it as a bad thing, but it, uh, for me, it works. It's it's a great thing. That's just the way that's it is. That's what but work party is, and mm-hmm. it's the new American dream that we're proposing. That you're not having a nine to five job, but you're creating a career, or you're working at a business or a, a company that you care so deeply and so passionately about that you're not clocking in, you're not clocking out. You think about exactly it every it day, is. and you drive. I would say you. you don't want the you don't want the one that you don't want to be there at nine and you want to leave at five. That's the worst kind of life, right? Yeah. It is. I mean, it's way worse than, uh, you know, than than what I do, which is just like working. You know, I mean, even like when I'm sleeping, I often can like turn. There is still a little piece of my brain that can be turned on. Yeah. Um, to ice cream if I'm working on a problem. I mean, it's a strange thing to think, but I can like half sleep. Yeah. And I mean, wh- is that crazy? No, it is crazy. I, I don't think it's but crazy. I can, but I do. Do that you want to know something weird? Sometimes I'll get up in the middle of the night and I'll text myself. Oh yeah, an idea, and yeah. then I'll just come back. To no, sleep. I mean like I have a whole book I've written in my <laughs> on my notes program. I have like thirty thousand words in this notes program. It's just a book. So, what are some brands or women that you think are doing branding and marketing in a really big and interesting way? Um, let's see. I mean, I I love my friend Ellen Bennett. I think she's, she's just such a she's just wonderful. And um, what I love about her, what I learned about her or learned from her, is focus and I can sometimes lack focus because you mean I have like I mean I can do whatever I want with ice cream you know what I mean like it can be any it can be like almost anything and I love her um her focus and I think it's um it's wonderful I mean both in like the color she just she's so she has such clarity in her brand the color she uses how she describes what she does she knows her target. Yeah. She knows, you know, her upcoming target, who she wants to hit. You know, she's she's just got that clarity that I think is really important. She found her white space, and I mm-hmm. genuinely cannot name another human doing what she's doing because she's just dominated. Yeah, I mean, again, she has copycats because as soon as people see people, somebody who's successful, you know. Um, I don't even know them, so they, they, there we go. They start up with their perspective on it and whatever, but nevertheless, uh, you know, it's also – when you think of brands, brands mean so much more than just the product. It's how you make people feel. And she does such a good job of making people feel powerful and good and, and joyful. Good. You yeah, know? Mm-hmm. totally. No, so happy. Yeah. I mean, the pig does not hurt. Her chance. I don't know how she does that. <laughs> yes, Oliver. It. Yeah, it's great. There are so many women doing amazing things in branding. They're all so different. I mean, Jen Gotch with Bando is, is another one that comes Phenomenal. to mind. Phenomenal. Everybody, you know. Yeah, I mean, they're all so different and so interesting and connecting to, you know, women. And, you know, the other thing about, about this is that women, you know, control the money in America. Like, we, we, we're the ones that do the spending. And so if we're supporting each other and we're looking at these and we, we you know, these brands that we, we love, we love them because um, we, we understand their values, we understand what they're working for, we understand what they're doing, we, and also we want to support businesses that have women as founders, leaders, you know, owners, whatever. Um, 
then we sort of, you know, we, we, we rise up from the, from the ground up. A hundred percent. And it just feels good to be putting, like, I'm going to spend all my money that I work very hard for and I'm going to just put it back into yeah. that we, system. I, we see right now, we see women and, uh, and men too working to get women in office, working to get women on boards at Fortune 500 companies, working to get women in leadership. And I think that's all an incredible effort. But the effort that's like on Main Street right now, that, that effort on the sort of, boot, and it's a new Main Street, it's a different kind of Main Street now, but um, to support each other, you know, I almost only wear women-founded company clothing, right? Yeah. And I've like... Just doing that is so powerful that as we, over the next generation or so, it will rise up and then, and then those people will become politicians. And, you know, I, I mean, mean we'll, we're just creating the next thing. There'll be the Fortune 500, next Fortune 500 companies. Female entrepreneurs, I think, are the new influencer. I mean, you can see the trend of, you know, talent agencies and, and those things coming and, and represent representing entrepreneurs. And I think it's amazing. And it's what should, it's how yeah. we should be but, represented. But if you think about how that's going to change culture over a generation, it's, it's, it's intense. I mean, when you can, if you can telescope that forward or, you know, see how that's going to change every aspect of our society, I mean, in our world, it's pretty incredible. And it's only possible now with the technologies of, you know, 21st century. It's totally it's pretty exciting, I it's think. It's so exciting. Amazing. Okay, so we're going to head into the part of the podcast where we play a little hot fire round. Um, so it's a little work, a little party, and just some... This is like my some... least good skill. It's like my last <laughs> skill is like... Thinking quickly. It takes so, like, when people invite me to meetings and, like, they don't give me the agenda first, I'm like, you have, I'll see you next week. Like, I'm, I gotta take a week to think about this, you know? It's so Amazing. funny. It takes me a long time to think. What do you think it takes to be a successful entrepreneur in 2018? Uh, in 2018, I think it takes um, a strong sense of community to build um, a business. And I always love the word company because it means community, it means that you're not alone. And I think that's the, that's, that's what that's like our advantage right now that we can build community um, anywhere. Who is someone that inspired your past? Someone that's currently inspiring you daily, and someone that gives you hope for the future. Two people that inspired my past are my two grandmothers, and um, one of them was an artist and an art teacher, and the other one was um, kind of an entrepreneur. She used to clean office buildings every day after uh, my grandfather got home from work, and when Enid would teach me how to make something artistic, you know, we would go pick weeds from a ditch and turn them in, literally we would dye them and turn them into baskets. And then Betty would be like, oh my God, I have like 10 friends we can, who would want those. So we would make like a whole inventory of these baskets and then go sell them with her friends, which was like endless fun for me. So I loved those two people and they became, I think I became like both of them in one person. So right now I'm like very inspired by Emily Weiss at Glossier. I just think Glossier is like so wonderful and so amazing and um like you know they built community around beauty and um and very um um I don't know they sort of give you confidence in just being who you are and I just love that and I love how young it is and um how big the future is and all of that and someone who gives you hope for the future somebody who gives me hope for the future is my are my two children I mean um my daughter Greta um is fierce and bossy and I love her to death and very creative and she's a writer and my son Dashiell is uh is um sweet and I think community oriented but um but brings out his power when he needs to and I can't wait to see what they bring into the world what is something you've sacrificed in order to achieve success what did I sacrifice to achieve success so I started 
with literally almost nothing. I mean, my, uh, I didn't have any family to fall back on. I had zero safety nets and I had no money. Um, so everything for me was always about asking other people to help me. And that's been amazing. So in so many ways, I don't know that I've sacrificed anything for success. It's just been an uphill thing. I mean, you could say that I've sacrificed time with family, but I feel like I, I don't know. I feel like I make that up in other ways. And, um, and it's all forward for me. I mean, I feel like I've just lived the, the life that I was meant to live. And that's not to say that it was easy. It wasn't at all. What are three things that you're grateful for? Three things that I am grateful for. Um, I've always felt like the luckiest person on earth. I don't know why, but I was grateful when I was a kid I was um, to be an American. I mean, just so deeply grateful to be an American. I'm grateful now as a grown-up that I, that I was raised in the Midwest, which is sort of a strange thing to say. I mean, it's just that it was such a... It, beautiful place that's about community, but also very simple. Um, when I visit sometimes bigger cities and like, um, um, you know, some of the hierarchy that I see on the East Coast, I feel very suffocated by that. I was raised in a place that had a lot of open air, open air and um, where I could be creative and use my imagination in the woods and the forest and think and read and imagine myself places. And, um, and I'm really, really grateful for that because I'm still that person. Um, three things that I'm grateful for. Um, I'm grateful for, I'm so, so grateful for the people who support me and I hope that I um, support them back and, you know, that this community that we have is just, it's to me, it's everything. It's the reason to exist in the world, in my opinion. What keeps you up at night? Uh, what keeps me up at night? I mean, I'm always up at night thinking about the nerdiest shit. I think about, like, the body and texture of ice cream and that is so weird. But I always say, like, I, I, I'm up at night trying to work out the body and texture of ice, thinking like a molecule. Um, but what gets me out of bed is, like, flavors. You know what I mean? So every flavor that you want to do, you have to work hard on trying to adjust the body and texture of the ice creams to get that back. And it's a, it can be a complicated little sort of equation. What is the best thing to come out of 2018? I don't want to go back to before the election. I want to go forward from here. And I'm feeling like there's this sense of um, before the election, we were kind of coasting it in in terms of, um, of, of understanding our role as Americans to, to, to fight for freedom for all and to, to keep this moving forward. And now we're all in it. And I'm really excited to see where that goes. And, um, you know, all of that other stuff has to get worked out, and it will. But where this sort of... Um, American culture goes now. And I'm starting to get this vision of that in 2018. Thank you, Jenny. I'm so happy you're in Chicago with us. Thank you. It's so fun to be here. Yay. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for new Work Party mini dropping every Sunday.